Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing Ayurveda and how the practices of our Ayurveda, which is the sister science of yoga, can help us to age gracefully. Our guest today is Dr. Jayarajan Kodikanath, who goes by Dr. J. He will share with us how Ayurvedic practices can prevent premature aging, sustain health, and ensure longevity. I'm delighted to have Dr. Jay join me today. He is an Ayurvedic scholar, clinician, and educator with over 25 years of experience in India and the United States. Since 2010, <clears throat> he has served Kerala Ayurveda USA as director for all academic programs and wellness services, as well as lead faculty and chief Ayurvedic consultant. He earned his degree in Ayurvedic medicine from Mahatma Gandhi University in Kerala, India. In India, he served as chief medical officer at Kerala Ayurveda's award-winning Ayurveda Gram Heritage Wellness Center in Bangalore and headed Kerala Ayurveda's limited Ayurveda's expert team in new research development in new research project development on efficacy, safety, and standardization of Ayurvedic wellness solutions. He is a member of the Expert Curriculum Committee for Masters in Ayurveda at Bastyr University in Seattle in the United States, and he also serves on the Board of Directors for the National Ayurvedic Medical Association. Kerala Ayurveda is located in Milpitas, California. You can find out more about Ayurveda and their products and services at their website, keralaayurveda.us. And Kerala is K-E-R-A-L-A, ayurveda.us. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at keralaayurveda.us. Welcome once again to the Yoga Hour, Dr. J. I'm really pleased that you could join me today to talk about aging and Ayurveda. Namaste. Namaste, Laurel. Thank you so much uh, for uh, inviting me to your wonderful uh, program. And I'm so happy to be here sharing the knowledge with you and your audience. Thank you. Before we dive into our conversation about aging and Ayurveda, let's start with an, a yoga moment. Let's start with a moment of being present right here mm -hmm. and right now. Okay. Om. So let's begin by turning our attention to our body and just feeling our body in space and paying particular attention to the surfaces that support our weight. Feeling our body sitting in the chair if we're sitting or feeling our feet on the ground as if we're walking. Just noticing. And then turning our attention to the breath and just noticing the next inhale as you take a fully conscious breath 
and the same on the exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling the warm air as it now passes out through the nose. Just continuing that focus, that focus on each breath, each moment, this now, right here. Here's something to contemplate, a quote from Paramahansa Yogananda about the laws of life. The laws of life can teach us to live in harmony with nature and all aspects of life. When we know what the laws are and conduct ourselves in accord with them, we experience long-lasting happiness, good health, and perfect harmony. The laws of life can teach us to live in harmony with nature and all aspects of life. When we know what the laws are and conduct ourselves in accord with them, we experience long-lasting happiness, good health, and perfect harmony. Oh. Once again, <clears throat> welcome to the Yoga Hour, Dr. J. This is our first show of 2024, and it seemed to me to be a great place to start to talk about Ayurveda and aging, especially this close to the new year, when I think this is a, a, an interesting topic for many people. They may be thinking about this more at this time of year. You did a recent webinar, which was called Ageless Ayurveda, Secrets to Aging Gracefully. And yeah. in that webinar, you you stated that human concerns about aging have been present since the beginning. And I just thought this was a great perspective. You point out that the first chapter of the Vedic text, Ashtanga Hridayam, which dates from um, <clears throat> current era 550 to 600, or about 1400 years ago, that the very first chapter is titled Quest for Longevity. And I really appreciated that context for our discussion of healthy aging, realizing that this has been important to humans for at least the last 400 years, <laughs> which is great. Mm -hmm. So let's begin just by talking about Ayurveda. For listeners who aren't yeah. familiar with it, would you briefly describe what Ayurveda is and where it came from? Sure. You already initiated that through Yogananda Paramahansa's quote, the laws of life, the laws of nature. Ayurveda is the science of longevity. Ayurveda, the word meaning itself, Ayu means life. Veda means the true knowledge. So the true knowledge about life and living and longevity. So it's a, it's a, a natural holistic life science from ancient India, from the Vedas. Mm -hmm. Ashtanga Hridayam, as you mentioned, you know, and there are so many texts. You can see that it's not just 1500 years. You will see a written tradition of about uh, 5000 years wow. and the oral tradition beyond. So it's a system built with the principles of nature, the laws of nature mm -hmm. and our interconnection with the nature mm -hmm. and how we can leave a, a healthy harmonious, peaceful, happy, long life. 
mm-hmm. in sync with the nature. That is a whole process, you know, yeah. the principle. That is one of the things that I really appreciate as a Western trained physician. <clears throat> I'm a retired general internal medicine physician. And one of the things I really appreciate about Ayurveda is it does place us squarely in relationship with nature, with our environment. And um, there's all kinds of, of teachings about how we can stay healthy with the seasons and all kinds of information, which is just very, very rich. And I, I really appreciate that about Ayurveda. You started your webinar with the question, is the ancient science of Ayurveda still relevant in this modern world? As you looked at many of the the technological marvels that have come along, here's this ancient science, as you said, many thousands of years old. So let's ask that question. Is the ancient science of Ayurveda still relevant in our world today? You know, it's a very important question to ask because always we hear that uh, a prescription medicine identified or invented 15 years back. Now it is obsolete. Identified, <laughs> it is not relevant. You bring the new version after 10, 15 years. Now, thousands of years of history, how this can be relevant for the modern world. For me, really, as a Vaidya coming from an Ayurvedic family has been practicing and, you know, seeing the, the lineage tradition of Ayurveda. Ayurveda is much more relevant today than ever before. Mm. Okay. If it was uh, good to have the principles and practice right now, you know, going through the pandemic, understanding how the humans are getting into more suffering. And uh, it is much more, it is inevitable now and moving forward. Because one side, we see that humans are progressing, you know, touching the Mars and going to the moon artificial intelligence for even individuals, artificial psygot, you know, advancements of the science and technology. But if it is real human progress, we should have less suffering, right? We should be more happier as a human, you know, race. Mm -hmm. We should be more healthy, more happy, able to have a very harmonious, healthy, happy life. Mm -hmm. But while we are claiming the progress, that is not the, the reality. Number of patients are increasing. Number of diseases are increasing. Something like pandemic. And it's an eye-opener of how important the self-care is. Mm-hmm. How important preventative management is. Mm-hmm. How important to protect this nature. Understanding that we don't have independent life without a harmonious, balanced nature. Mm-hmm. Because even each inhalation we are taking is a contribution from the plants around us. Right? The life is a process of nature transforming to us and we are transforming into nature. Yeah, beautiful. As long as we are able to sustain that flow, that is called health. That is the secret of longevity. I really liked how you, you, um, you know, you put the context of how can we really talk about progress? without also talking about progress in health and happiness. You know, again, it, again, I appreciate this so much about Ayurveda is the holistic nature of Ayurveda. So getting back to this Ashtanga Hridayam, I, I hope I'm saying that more or less correctly. Yes. Yes, <laughs> um, you, you quote the beginning, I think it's the uh, Sutra Stana 1.2, as those who are desirous of a long life 
which is the means of achieving righteousness, prosperity, and happiness slash well-being, should give their utmost respect to the teaching of Ayurveda. I'm going to read that again. Those who are desirous of a long life, which is the means of achieving righteousness, prosperity, and happiness slash well-being, should give their utmost respect to the teachings of Ayurveda. This is, again, just really lovely and quite something to think about. This is written, you know, 1600 years ago. So would you say a little bit more about uh, health and longevity and Ayurveda? You know, what is Ayurveda's focus, you know, of of longevity? Already discovered in that uh, wonderful verse, Ayukameyamanena dharmartha sukhasadhanam. So there, what is Ayurveda? The purpose of Ayurveda is already very clear. Because we were born as human beings with a purpose, right? There is a reason why we are here. Then the question is how we can accomplish that, that purpose and how we can express, you know, this is a, a wonderful opportunity mm. as the highly evolved being human. It's a Wonderful opportunity, right? With that additional intelligence. We can do a lot for ourselves, for our family, our friends, our community and the nature. And how we can do that is the question. There comes, one is the health, second is the prosperity. Mm-hmm. And through the righteous path of living. Mm-hmm. And finally, to transition, salvation, liberation, moksha. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole. And Ayurveda contains all these principles. Yeah. Right now, if you really look at the modern world, we are in a rat race, you know, and uh, professionals. I'm here in Silicon Valley. It is very difficult to, uh, for them to differentiate whether they are working for living or living for working. <laughs> That's right. It's like a machine. Yeah. And that is expected. If you are a faster machine, you are appreciated and mm-hmm. given some more load with a promotion next time to be a better machine <laughs> where we are losing the essence of life right? The purpose of life, how important to be happy, supportive, loving, caring, spending life in a very balanced way. We are lacking that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ayurveda brings that whole idea mm-hmm. of how you can, as an individual, find peace, harmony, and happiness and longevity. How you can be supporting that to have the same health, happiness, and harmony in your family, community. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a science of empowerment. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear that, hey, while all the problems are happening in your body, mind, systems, at the same time, all the systems to help you heal, help you thrive, help you sustain a, a healthy life, all the systems are within you. Mm-hmm. Digestion is inside you. Metabolism is inside you. Hormones are inside you. Immune system is inside you. All the healing mechanisms are within you. Hence, you are the primary healer. Mm-hmm. It's a science of empowerment. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the whole that. question is, how I can support the healer within me? Yes. The whole idea of healing is support the healing system by giving the right you know, exposure. Minimize the exposure which may be causing the disorders. Minimizing the reason for problems and maximize the reason for health and longevity. It's very simple. It is a common sense science. When I teach my students, I tell them, it's not a rocket science. It's a common sense science. Very simple. Nice. 
So in the webinar, you reviewed nine causes of premature aging, which I thought would be of interest to our listeners. So I wanted to just review that list. So the first is dietary imbalances, which I know are very important in Ayurveda. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Improper lifestyle practices, lack of rest and recuperation, improper sleep patterns, unhealthy habits, excessive exertion, stress, and then one kind of longer one, fear, grief, uncertainty, insecurity, anger, greed, and jealousy. So lots of like negative emotions there. And then last is diseases. So some of these were very unsurprising to me, like dietary imbalances, improper lifestyle practices, stress, and diseases, but others are more unexpected. And I was actually surprised and interested to see that on this list of only nine causes of premature aging, we have this long list of fear, grief, uncertainty, insecurity, anger, greed, and jealousy mm. as a cause of premature aging. So would you say more about that? Sure, definitely. See, it's like this. As long as we are able to stay healthy through the right diet, lifestyle, thought patterns, the life will continue. Every imbalance, every disorder is pulling us down. That means it is affecting the natural flow. Every imbalance, every disease makes that specific system or many systems more weaker. More weaker means you are more exposed to more imbalances. So it is important to preserve our health without getting into a problem. If we are getting into an imbalance or disease, the ability to come back to normal as quick as possible. That's now right. talking about the grief, fear, uncertainty, insecurity, Ayurveda says mind and body are not two separate units. They are one unit. That's right. Any problem happening in the mind is influencing your body. Any imbalance happening in your body is influencing the mind. They feed each other. They stay together as a single unit. So that is why there are a lot of, you know, these days increase in autoimmune conditions, progressive degenerative conditions. And you go and look at all the researches available. Stress will be one of the master re reasons. Yes. Right? So like the wound in your body, a, a fear is a wound in your mind, mm -hmm. right? Sadness is, a, 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 you know, we, we say inflammation of the body, but Ayurveda talks about inflammation of the mind, mm. okay? We call it jura. There is a word that is equivalent to fever or inflammation. Mm. And we say that there is no disease without inflammation. Mm -hmm. So all the thoughts, that is why if you are angry, your red eyes can become red, you can get more sweaty. There is direct influence of the emotions on our, on our body. Right. That is why keeping our mind in a reasonably balanced, positive state is so essential for preserving health mm -hmm. and longevity. And as a clinician for, you know, 27 years plus, I have seen... You know, every case coming, they may come with a lower back pain or a neck pain or a skin problem. But in the process of assessment, you will see that you will see some contribution from the mind, mm -hmm. the mind aspect. Mm -hmm. They will say that whenever I am getting angry or there's a stressful period, all my symptom flares up. 
So there is a direct correlation with generally the modern world is not identifying. Recently started certain process, but still, you know, mind is separate, body is separate. We are always, uh, you know, keen about maintaining a good weight and height and frame and, you know, so the, the mind is not really attended. And I see that is the most important aspect mm. where we need to. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, telling my, you know, Ayurvedic doctor certification student the other day that the amount of uh, herbs and formulations I used for mind is in here in the U.S. is much, much more than mm. what I used in India of those years. Mm. That means it may not be even here. It is the time where we are going through. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. even though we are aware, we are intellectual, we are all these things and a lot of resources available, technology mm -hmm. available, but the conflicts are more, the problems are more, the unrest is more. Mm -hmm. And that is creating a lot of issues, disorders stemming from the emotions, right. the negative emotions. Right. You know, from That's an good. Ayurvedic standpoint, fear, sadness, uncertainty and insecurity. These are all provoking vata, vata dosha, which is mm -hmm. responsible for degeneration, dryness, pain, and, you know, uh, suffering. Mm -hmm. Whereas anger and frustration can aggravate pitta, which creates impatience, anger, you know, the, the, the inflammatory uh, situation within even the body. Mm -hmm. So mind and body are not two separate units. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was great that you that you tied those specific emotions to the different um, to Vata Pitta Kapha, which we we haven't really gone through yet. Maybe we'll have a chance to do that. But um, what was interesting to me is certainly there's a lot of research that shows that depression and anxiety are um, have a huge effect on diseases, which I think, unfortunately, a lot of physicians don't practice that way, although there is a significant amount of scientific research. I mean, and again, I don't want to, you know, cast a blanket aspersion over all physicians. There are many, many physicians who are very holistic in their approach and really try and include, you know, the, the um, you know, mind along with the body. And certainly not ev not everyone, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, separation, even though there's a huge body of research that shows that these mental states are very important. And as I said, I, I do appreciate the holistic nature, you know, of, Ayur of Ayurveda, um, which is one of the reasons we wanted to you know, feature you and have you on. So excessive exertion was also another thing on the list. And, and I, I thought that was great because um, with exercise, there is almost this feeling like, you know, more is always better, more is always better. And uh, in, in, from a Western perspective, and so ex excessive, excessive exertion to see that as a cause of potentially pre premature aging was interesting. So would, would you talk a little bit more about that? Why would excessive exertion be a problem? Sure, sure, sure. I agree. In this modern world, we always think that when you do more, you get more. But Ayurveda has a different perspective to it. Ayurveda says, when you do optimal, you will get the best. Ah. Right? The same Ashtanga Hridayam says, Ayadha bala marambu nidanam sambadaha. Whenever you do exertion, the physical activity that could be exercised, beyond your natural threshold, you are causing degeneration and depletion. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, regarding exercise, 
you are making your system active. That's not a bad idea. Ayurveda suggests you do that every day on a regular basis. But what is your, you know, what you want is the question, right? If you want the strength, vitality, you know, the harmony, then you need to do the exercise to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. When you do more, you are overloading your system and overloading is considered as stress. In Ayurveda, stress is not about, uh, are you bothered about something? No. Whenever you stretch any of the system beyond its natural threshold, that is called stress. When you eat more than what you can digest, that is called digestive stress. Mm -hmm. When you do exercise more than what your body can naturally handle, that is a stress, right? When you spend more than what you can afford, it's called financial stress. So stress means you are stretching beyond the limit. Mm -hmm. Stretching up to the limit is always supportive. Ayurveda says if you are doing exercise or anything, stretch up to the threshold so your body's threshold will naturally get enhanced to accommodate the fluctuation. So always go up to the threshold. That will help you to have a sustained outcome from your exercise. When you do too much, you are causing more degeneration because you are making your system to work beyond its normal threshold. Of course, that will cause more breakdown, more, more degeneration and more depletion. Mm -hmm. So I will always suggest about going to a medium path. Mm -hmm. right. And the concept is that all diseases are deviation from the balanced state or the health. Mm -hmm. This is not something separate. Mm -hmm. Your own normal physiology and psychology, when it goes below or beyond the normal balance and threshold, that is called disease. Right. Low right. blood right. pressure is a disease. High blood pressure is a disease. Right. Low blood sugar is a disease. High blood sugar is a disease. You will see every disease, either more is a disease or less is a disease. Yeah. And staying in the balance, there you need balanced activity, balanced eating, balanced drinking water. Not that when you drink more water, you get better benefit. <laughs> when you do more exercise, you get better benefit. Yeah. That is the Ayurvedic concept that yeah. if you want to sustain a balanced long life, you should not burn too much. You should not accumulate too much. Mm -hmm. Accumulation is a problem. Degeneration and depletion is a problem. Mm -hmm. So that middle balance is always mm -hmm. you know, the best. No, I'm glad you brought up this idea of balance because I, I had certainly known that about Ayurveda, that really the focus is on understanding our own constitution and staying in balance for our constitution, despite changes in the external environment, you know, which might be seasonal changes or even times of day. There are things to understand about that to be able to stay in balance. So, you know, I, I understood that from Ayurveda in terms of health, but I hadn't really thought about that in terms of longevity which I think is, is just a great way to look at it, that that basically why we're doing this, you know, the, the balance in the body then um, allows us to have resilience. And as you said, this idea about vitality, I think is such an important one and one that Western medicine hasn't really examined, I think, nearly as fully as um, as Ayurveda has. That's one of the things I really appreciate about Ayurveda is this focus on, you know, on vitality, how we cannot just stay, you know, like health is not just an absence of disease. You know, it also has to do with our, you know, level of energy, our level of, of, of um, you know, kind of our zest, you know, for life, our vitality. Um, you in the um, 
webinar, you talk about uh, not a static balance, but a dynamic balance, like a surfer surfing a wave, that this is the kind of the ideal. So would you say more about that? Sure, sure. See, as you mentioned, that this is a flow. Life is a flow, right? It's a kind of a, a recycling flow happening. New generations are coming up, old generations are fading in and merging with the nature. It's a continuous, you know, flow. And everything is dynamic. Everything is moving, right? Every cells are getting degenerated. New cells are keep forming, right? And uh, so how we are able to keep that harmony? Many a time we go, you know, there are a lot of programs available. Oh, I want to make my weight this much. And you do, you know, push yourself to get there. And you think that everything is fixed. But as long as the reasons are persisting, it will bounce back again. That's because right. you are addressing only the expression, not the reason. Yeah. So it's always about, you know, I always use these analogies. Many a time the analogies are very easy for people to understand the concept. Yeah. The surfer on a surfboard or, a, you know, boy on the roller skate. You know, it's surface may not be even. There can be long summer or severe winter. The influence of the nature can change. In our own life, there can be some busy period. You know, there can be some... A pleasant time. There can be ups and downs. That's a part of the existence. If there is light in the daytime, there is darkness at night. If there is cold in the winter, there is heat in the summer. So the whole existence goes through the dynamism. The whole existence will have ups and downs in any quality. So the question is, while accepting that there will be ups and downs, how you can still stay in that medium? Mm -hmm. So there, you need to have that awareness how you can do that. Hey, summer is hot. What should I do to minimize the impact of that heat in my body? Winter is cold. So the whole Ayurvedic teaching about the Dhinacharya, the daily regimen, seasonal regimen, that is Ritucharya, truthful living. Mm. Right? So there are a lot of concepts, very simple, but that makes a lot of difference in our life. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we cannot have a static state of balance. Mm -hmm. And we should accept that there will be ups and downs. How I can minimize that, that uh, the, the, you know, amplification or the, the ups and downs within the threshold, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that is the whole question, how we can minimize the impact. You may have your own constitution. There are constitutional nature, you know, the day and night dynamics, the seasonal dynamic. There's a whole different layers of time influencing us constantly. Age is right. a cycle, right? right? Menstrual cycle in women, mm -hmm. it's ups and downs, right? Mm -hmm. So women a week before the period, they can get more emotional. They can get more uh, irritable, etc. There are physiological dynamics. But if you know the principles, how to manage your life through the principles of Ayurveda, you'll be able to keep that harmony without allowing yourself into suffering more. Mm -hmm. so that's the whole idea. Yeah. As a reminder to our listeners, today on the Yoga Hour, my guest is Dr. Jayarajan Kodi Kanath, who goes by Dr. J. He is an Ayurvedic scholar, clinician, and educator with over 25 years of experience in India and the United States. 
and he is associated with Kerala Ayurveda. You can find out more about that at the website keralaayurveda.us, and Kerala is K-E-R-A-L-A, ayurveda.us, and you can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We will have the link to their website on our website at theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list. There is a um, monthly or almost monthly newsletter that includes highlights of prior episodes of the Yoga Hour and describes upcoming episodes. So join in the community. So Dr. J, getting back to our list of causes of premature aging, I wanted to turn our attention to dietary imbalances. And you've already kind of mentioned this, that and you had a beautiful graphic in your webinar showing the relationship between nature, the external environment, and us and our internal environment, these arrows going back and forth with the fire of Agni in the middle. And this is such an important, you know, idea or, you know, view um, in Ayurveda that I wanted to ask you about it. So um, diet is such a cornerstone and Agni, I think really is so directly related uh, understanding that, you know, peace. So would you say more? Would you describe what Agni is and the role sure. of diet in maintaining health in Ayurveda? Sure. The literal meaning of Agni is fire. Fire means not just the flame. Anything that facilitates transformation, right. it's Agni. That could be our digestion, transformation of food into nutrients. That could be metabolism facilitated by all the hormones where the nutrients are getting transformed into our tissue, energy, vitality, right? Our body warmth. All this come from the concept called Agni. Agni can be in different forms within our system. As I mentioned, all hormones come under the Agni systems in Ayurveda because every hormone is to facilitate a transformation, right? right? Our acids and pepsins and, uh, you know, salivary amylases, our, you know, the secretion of the gut, these are all come under the Agni. It is not just fire as flame. So these are all the elements of fire. Its fundamental function is transformation, right? So maintaining that Agni, maintaining that balance of your digestion and metabolism, help, you know, that flow. And Ayurveda says, even in the definition of life, life is a period of time in which uninterrupted, Continuous flow of nature happens through one form. That's called life. Mm. <laughs> the flow started at the type of inception, a single cell. The flow ends at an event called death. Mm -hmm. From the inception till the death, every moment, the nature is flowing through us. Mm -hmm. But in that flow, it is not that when you eat an apple, apple will st stay here, right? There's a transformation of the format of the apple into the human format. Right. That's why we say that you eat apple, apple will nourish you. Nourish you means that apple will transform to your tissues. That means the apple format will transform to human format. Right. What is the basis of that, that transformation from an outside natural format, vegetables, fruits, any ingredient, into the human format? That is what is agony. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And that facilitates right. the whole. Mm -hmm. And even cognition, right? You have a thought or you have an experience, how you are able to process that. Yeah. So there is an agni involved in that. 
So it's not really some physical material, even the subtle energetic aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And we say that, you know, one of the ancient texts says, Agni is everything. Mm -hmm. If you know how to manage Agni, you know how to manage life. Mm -hmm. Because that is going to help you to sustain the life. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've done a lot of work on the digestion, metabolism, and the metabolic syndrome. One of my work got, you know, published last year on metabolic syndrome. And, uh, you know, we got a U.S. patent for that work. The wow. patent was not to hold that knowledge for commercial purpose. I wanted to show that the ancient Vedic system also can use the most modern tool to establish and to prove. That was the idea. Mm -hmm. So it's all about Agni. <clears throat> and we always say when somebody comes for a consultation, the first thing what we are going to assess and address is the Agni, because that is the basis of everything. Mm -hmm. Your mm -hmm. health and your longevity. Right. Well, thank you. That was that was just beautifully described. <clears throat> so in, in Ayurveda, as I think you've already even mentioned, disease begins with improper digestion and accumulation. Mm -hmm. And the dietary advice, so this you know makes digestion so so key because that's the um you know that's our relationship, right, with the outer world. It comes yes. through, you know, comes through our digestive tract. Um the dietary advice you give or you gave in the webinar was timely meals. Mm -hmm. easily digested cooked food mm -hmm. and to avoid processed food. So mm -hmm. let's start with why is it important to eat warm cooked food? Okay, good question. So Ayurveda always suggests warm food, warm water, or ideally body temperature, minimum room temperature. So what is the problem with the cold? There are primarily two problems. One, Human body always want to maintain the temperature between 97 and 99. Average is 98.6. Whether you are in frozen Alaska or in hot Mexico, your body temperature is 98.6. Right. Whenever you drink or eat cold item, your body is struggling to bring it back to 98.6 because that is survival. All the energy you get for your digestion and metabolism, you are going to use to bring the temperature back. You are right. weakening your own digestion and metabolism by drinking, eating, you know, or drinking cold item. Mm -hmm. Second is cold is always constricting. Heat is always expanding. Right. By eating or drinking cold, you are creating more constrictive effect, not only in the big tubes, but even the subtle flow of prana, uh -huh. subtle flow of your immune system, your vitality. So I, Ayurveda always suggests support your natural state of body temperature right. by not going for too much cold. So mm. that is the primary idea about that you know it this just always makes me laugh because what is the very first thing that they bring you when you sit down in any restaurant in the united states is they bring you ice water not just water but ice water so it's laurel that was my first american surprise when i came to here in 2010 <laughs> first american surprise yeah i was in seattle it was snowing outside i went to one of the restaurants in green lake area and they brought a cup of ice with a little bit of water. I didn't understand what is it. <laughs> but what I will tell listeners is that they are happy in general to bring you some warm water. So you can ask instead for a cup of warm water and they will really bring it for you. Or at very least, you can ask for, for water without ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Restaurants will, you know, will, will uh, uh, accommodate, you know, those requests. Definitely, if, you just definitely. Think, if you just think to, uh, to ask, but it is, yeah. 
the it's one of the amusing things I think and I actually have had you know my wonderment a little bit myself is I wonder if this is associated at all with American obesity you know it's just the fact that everyone is drinking iced everything you know I mean it may it may that I mean it, it's not going to be the whole answer but it may contribute yeah, one of definitely bit. from an Ayurvedic standpoint one of the main contributor one of the contributors stress is the top according to me Ah, okay. More than overeating and lack of activity, stress is one of the main reasons. So, because there is a compensatory mechanism mm -hmm. that makes your survival switch on in your system, right. making all the resources to survive more, the fat, sugar, and cholesterol. Yeah. Because fat is the only tissue body can use when there, when there is a crisis. So, body won't allow intentionally not to transform the food into your nerves and your bones and muscles. It will accumulate fat to support your survival. Because yeah. you are constantly under stress, identified in crisis. Yeah, very. So stress is a big, big factor on that. Oh, very interesting. Now you mentioned about the timely foods. I was <laughs> just going to do that. So go there, please. <laughs> so Ayurveda, if you take the most ancient texts, always the suggestion about your your eating will be it will start with a word called kale hidam midam bhuya. Kale means in time. More than what you eat, more than how much you eat, all are important. The most important is when to eat. Uh -huh. And why it is so? Because everything in this nature works in cyclic rhythms, right? Day and night rhythm, lunar rhythm, seasonal rhythm. Everything in our body works in cyclic rhythms. The cardiac rhythm, the breathing rhythm, digestive rhythm, sleep rhythm, menstrual rhythm, everything is cyclical That's and right. symmetrical. Since everything is cyclical and symmetrical in the nature and within us, Ayurveda say that our body is expecting a cyclic rhythm from us. That's right. And if you are able to maintain that cyclic rhythm, especially sleeping and eating, say that you are eating every day in the right time, the whole body intelligence will align to that rhythm. Mm -hmm. Body will expect that food from you. All the secretions, all the hormones, everything will be ready to receive the food, digest absorb, metabolize. Mm. It will help your system, easily help you without stagnation and without depletion to maintain the system. Mm. And I was so happy and surprised to see that recently, about maybe two, three months back, a new idea, a new research on chrononutrition, <laughs> as if it is a new thing that timely eating is so important. Right. It is always there as a fundamental principle of Ayurveda. Right. More than what you and how much to sustain health, to sustain good metabolism, sustain sustainable, you know, energy, etc. Timely food is much more important. Right. Back to earlier the breakfast, the better. Avoid late dinners, ideally three hours before you sleep. Minimum two, two and a half hours before you sleep and keep the lunch midday. And if you are life requirement, you are demand on your system, physical, mental, emotional, not excess. You can even stay with two meals a day. Mm -hmm. A good meal in the morning and a good meal in the evening and have some fruits, etc. for the lunch. Mm -hmm. So it depends upon who you are and how is your life situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So oh, time is very important. That, that's great. Such good, um, you know, just general advice. Mm -hmm. I think it's just great. Mm -hmm. 
So the other, the last bit, so we've talked about um, timely meals, we've talked about hot cooked food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the last bit of dietary advice that you gave in the webinar was to avoid processed food, which is also the advice in Western medicine as well. Yeah. But it's for a different reason. Um, it's because the food in Western medicine, they just kind of look at the macronutrients and things like fiber. So yeah. um, processed food has removed the fiber, which is important for you know slowing our digestion and also for our microbiome. But yeah. I, I really appreciate Ayurveda's focus on this because it refers to the vitality we get from our food and that the more the food is processed, the more the vitality has been removed. Mm -hmm. Would you say say more about that? Sure, sure, definitely. So let me differentiate between the word processing has different connotations. One, you may say that even cooking in your kitchen is a a process, right? Right, right. It's a natural process there is a chemical artificial process. What we are talking is not about the natural process in cooking in your own kitchen with the natural ingredients. We are talking about the processing that involves the chemical processing, refining, you know, uh, canning, preservation, etc. So whenever you get into those kind of process, what you are doing is you are changing that natural, uh, you know, format of the ingredients into a new formats, right? When you make white flour from the whole wheat, it is, you may say that it's natural source, it is wheat, but you are doing bleaching and you are doing a lot of chemical processing to get into that format. Right. You're changing from the natural format. Our body is a nature's blend. It is very easy for our body to identify another natural entity, naturally cooked, naturally available. Whenever you chemically process and transform, it goes away from the natural format. When you eat such item, for your body, it is something surprising, something unfamiliar. You know, it's like this. When you open your front door one day morning, somebody unfamiliar is standing in front of your room. How will be your response? It's a surprise. It's a crisis felt. (laughs) That will become, you know, what is the response of crisis from the body? Inflammation. Uh That creates more inflammation. And that is the root of every imbalance. So that is why Ayurveda says process the food. You know, the preserved food, the heat and eat item available in so many aisles in every grocery store. It's a big health challenge in this modern world. The pace of the life is increasing and people want convenience, easiness. But at the same time, whatever not good for your health, It's, you know, health is the most important wealth, according to Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. It's not about bank balance and real estate. The most (laughs) important wealth is Arogyam Sarvadhanal Pradhanam. Dhana means prosperity. Health is the highest prosperity possible. That's right. Then comes knowledge. Vidyanam Sarvadhanal Pradhanam. Knowledge about how to live. What is the purpose? What are the ways of healthy, happy living? The knowledge, wisdom. Then only comes every other prosperity. Mm-hmm. So there it is important to have natural wholesome meal. Yeah. Right? So that is Ayurvedic suggestion. And preferably more cooked food. Yes. And I get into this conversation always even with my students because they feel that eating more green is better for you or eating more raw is better for you. There is a, ho- a whole trend about raw. They ask me, it is natural. You say that you need to eat natural. 
right natural why why can't we eat too much you know more raw that means more natural more prana so i tell them prana is developed or produced within our body for that you need to give body acceptable usable form of ingredients right digestion is nothing but cooking in kitchen you use the flame and heat to cook in your gut the saliva the acid and the bile to cook the process is same your gut can absorb only molecular level of nutrients whether it is protein carbohydrate or fat mm-hmm. whenever you cook in the kitchen your kitchen flame and heat will break down the raw material 70 80% yes your gut need to spend only 20 30% energy to get the nutrients right whenever you eat uncooked items your gut will have to spend all the energy to break it down from the scratch so it is not that ayurveda is totally against it but you should be mindful about it based on your digestion and metabolism right. whenever your digestion is weak metabolism is weak better to cut down the raw go right. for more naturally cooked meal that right. is a very principle i also really like we've kind of just alluded to this briefly but this idea about season so right now this is winter at least in the northern hemisphere here it's winter it's mm-hmm. cold outside right mm-hmm. and so it kind of makes sense well you don't you know you don't want to have cold food because again like you know is just going to add more to like you know so you definitely i think people want more in the winter they want you know warm food they want you know like soups and stews they're just they sound better you know in the winter so um anyway just to throw that to throw that in so. <clears throat> one of the things that you uh, recommended in the webinar for mental care and stress management is meditation and this is always a, a such a big focus for us here at the yoga hour um it certainly has been an invaluable practice for me mm-hmm. in fact the last episode of the yoga hour was me discussing the importance of meditation and how to set up a home meditation practice so would you just say a little bit about about meditation sure. the importance of meditation in terms of our mental care and stress management yes what is the whole concept of meditation meditation is to bring your mind into total inner awareness right bringing into that single pointedness bringing home yourself allowing you are you know having an inner awareness and stay there for some time you know i usually explain this in a very simple way it is like a teacher coming into a classroom until the teacher comes in kids will be jumping around and talking around a chaos everywhere chaos immediately the teacher comes in everything is in order yeah. right everything is in order meditation is nothing but the guru entering within our heart yeah. where the whole system will get aligned to that what is our problem in the current time is the distractibility right we have lot to think we have lot of exposure social media lot of things happening in the world etc the whole system is in the outgoing mode distracted more restless mode and like the the children creating lot of noise and chaos in the classroom where we need to bring the guru the teacher in right uh-huh. allowing our mind to come to the center and listen that right. presence itself will make every system is equal to a, chil- a child right every system will fall in place so meditation is not only for the mental you know harmony it is the for the whole system if it was good before few years ago or few centuries ago 
According to me, every human in this modern world should find time, at least 10 minutes to do a meditation. Yeah. Do a little bit of a breathing, a deep inhalation and long exhalation, and sit there quietly, allowing your mind to come. Then it's like, uh, you know, bringing the teacher into the class. The whole system will start being seated, will do the right thing, what it is supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> that is lovely. I've never heard that analogy before, but that's really lovely. Thank you. And and I'll, I'll touch back on what you just mentioned. So breathing as well. Um, you know, one other piece of advice of Ayurvedic advice for longevity is to practice deep breathing or other pranayamas, mm -hmm. um, other types of breathing exercises. Um, and, I, and I really appreciate this about both yoga and Ayurveda, the recognition that our vital energy, our vitality comes in part from breathing, from this yeah. breath. Yeah. So, um, you know, Lots of people have different ways of doing it. I know people, for example, if they were working at a computer all day, they would set a little alarm on their watch. Everyone has a watch now with an alarm, right? Or maybe on their phone. For every hourly or every two-hour you know, alarm goes off and you stand up for a minute, maybe you do some stretching, you do some deep breaths. Um, what, what, what other advice can you give about incorporating breathing sure. into our sure. daily practice? Sure, sure, sure. The vital breath is called pranavayu in Ayurveda. Yeah. right the vital breath each inhalation brings the pranavayu the oxygen that releases the subtle pranas within the system the pranic energy the physical prana helps the subtle prana mm -hmm. and that means ayurveda and yoga you know ayurveda and yoga sister sciences the same philosophical background sangya philosophy and same you know the awareness about it when ayurveda works from the diet lifestyle various aspects bringing harmony and strength to the body. Yoga brings more harmony and balance to the mind. Both together, Ayurveda and yoga together, you know, it is a multidimensional approach to complete health and well-being, right? Yes. So where breath is considered as a kind of a, a regulator for your system, right? How you manage your kitchen, the cooking, you regulate the flame. How you regulate the flame? You reduce if it is over, you increase the the flame if you if it is low the same way breath is a regulator for your body mind system that is why there are so many different type of pranayamas there are heating and stimulating pranayamas there are cooling and stabilizing pranayamas there are balancing pranayamas it's a wonderful tool yeah to do five minutes a day three minutes a day very simple and there is no equipment required there is no money required it is free because of that reason, simplicity, nobody does that. Because we want everything expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, so, I think that's very true. <laughs> yeah. So the pranayama is not that every pranayama for everybody, right? But there are certain pranayamas good for everybody. Because balancing the alternate nostril breath or the, the nadi shodhana, mm -hmm. regulating the stimulating side of it and the stabilizing side of it, balancing it the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, right? The heating and cooling system. That is what everybody needs. According to me, that everybody should do three to five minutes of alternate nostril breath. That is one. Second is taking deep inhalation followed by long exhalation, the mm -hmm. diaphragmatic breath. Mm -hmm. That also brings the groundedness, mm -hmm. the stability. Mm -hmm. These two breaths I always suggest. There is nobody who cannot do or who should not do this. Mm -hmm. Then rest stimulating Bastriga or Kapalpadi, 
it may be very useful for some people, may not be for other people. You know, Chidali right. may be the cooling pranayama may not be always good for everybody or etc. So it's all about somebody guiding what is required for the individual mm-hmm. and to stay harmonized. Yeah. So pranayama is a great tool. Everybody yeah. should do. Yeah. No, I, I love that in particular. One of the things that's been interesting for me in my study of yoga is to realize how powerful it is just to um, uh, lengthen the exhalation. To have a breath where the the uh, out breath is longer than the in breath is a is a total signal to our um, you know out of the the stress response and into this you know relaxation response. That's yeah. one of the easiest ways to trigger it is just to have a breath where the exhale is longer you know than the than the inhale. And sometimes when you're very kind of you know focused or you know very worked up it's hard to do that because mm-hmm. you know you it, it just like your body kind of seems like it's fighting it a little bit but just persevere and try and make each exhale just a little tiny bit longer yeah. and before you know it it can really it can really really calm you down so i think that's that's yeah. wonderful wonderful advice for people i was you know i let me tell you quickly that whenever you know i was in bangalore as the chief medical officer of ayurveda gram heritage wellness center it is like a Silicon Valley of India. We get a lot of people with the tension headaches, stress and tension headache. Whenever such people come for consultation, I take, take them to our herbal garden. We have a beautiful herbal garden. We ask them to remove the shoe and socks, stand on the grass near a tree, keep the forehead on the tree, hug the tree, and take deep inhalation followed by long exhalation. I was able to demonstrate more than 50% of headache reduction in three to five minutes. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Just hug the tree, keep the forehead, deep inhalation, long escalation for five minutes. Five minutes. Wow. Wow. Well, we have come to the end of our time together. In closing, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners? See, human life is very precious. Mm-hmm. We can do a lot, right? So the whole idea is, while we are alive here, how best we can do to ourselves, our family, friends, and the community and the nature, and to lead a healthy life. To help the healthy life will give you the peace and the harmony and the happiness. So it's so important taking care of you know making sure that if something is not good for your health, it doesn't work. It may give you some emotional, you know, satisfaction temporarily, but if something is affecting your health and longevity, better not to do that. And it's time for us to come together to share the the love, the peace and harmony. Looking at the entire world, it is time for doing more meditation, more satsang, coming together. It is so easy to be negative, to find faults, to be sad, to be angry, to be fearful, it need effort to be positive, to be, to need to take effort to be, you know, mindful. And we need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge, paradox of human mind, mm-hmm. right? To find the deficiencies and problems is effortless, but to find the blessings and harmony need effort. And it's worth taking that effort. I encourage everyone to take a minute or two every day. Close your eyes, look within, and talk to yourself saying that, I'm so grateful for the blessings for what I have in my life. And start the day with abundance. 
Otherwise, naturally, human mind will always start with the scarcity and problems. Don't do that because that creates this all these negative emotions. Right. So take a moment to appreciate, to recognize the blessings and be grateful for that. That will be my, my few words to the community. Lovely. For our listeners, you've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show. My guest today has been Dr. Jaya Rajan, Cody Kanath, who goes by Dr. J. He is an Ayurvedic scholar, clinician, and educator with over 25 years of experience in India and the United States. You can find out more about Dr. J and Kerala Ayurveda at their website, keralaayurveda.us. They're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. For listeners, we hope that you'll join us for the many online programs offered by the sponsor of this program, the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. We have daily online meditation in the morning at 6.30 a.m., the afternoon at 4 p.m., and Monday evenings at 7.30. All those times are Pacific time. There's also Sunday satsang, Satsang is a Sanskrit word meaning a gathering of truth seekers that happens at 10 a.m. Pacific each week. Another podcast that you might be interested in is the Kriya Yoga Today podcast with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. She This includes uh, talks from classes and presentations that she has given, and you can find this through the CSE website, csecenter.org, or um, Yogacharya O'Brien's website, ellengraceobrien.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, there are many, many other classes and events that are happening at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. You can find out more about them at the csecenter.org website. Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when our guest will be author Oren J. Sofer. We will be discussing contemplative practices that build love, resilience, and the courage to act in a world in crisis. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers, Anne Hayes, Mickey Coronado, Christine Sote, and Lauren Lightinger. And of course, thank you to our guest today, Dr. J. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, CSC and Yoga Hour for doing such wonderful service to the community. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this knowledge with uh, the world. We all need to do continuously doing this. The earlier we are able to spread the message more, there will be more harmony, longevity, and health for the entire human race. Thank I you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Those are those are such great, you know, goals. And I'm I certainly Thank share them. Thank you. For listeners, I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you.